We are really, uh, in the year 2020, wanting to focus a lot on helping people discover more about their own gifted life. Um, I believe that there are gifts that exist within us that many times lie dormant because, um, because we aren't necessarily activating those gifts, but also believe that there are many times gifts that, that lie dormant within us because we've not yet come into that season or time. And I really feel that we're coming into that season and time. Um, 2020 is going to be a very specific time that I think God's going to help us to understand more of what his desire is for the body of Christ. You know, I'm standing down here um, just in worship. And in that moment, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, they always, the team always puts somebody by me down here because my mind goes every direction. And so I have to have somebody who's my keeper. And um, <clears throat> if I start, you know, wanting to ask a question, I don't have to go back and find somebody. I can just ask somebody, and then I feel accommodated maybe. I don't know why. I, I'm, I need a babysitter. And so Jalen is that today. And, um, and so he's standing there next to me, and I'm just realizing I'm, I'm thinking about too many things. And so instead of, you know, asking questions or trying to, okay, what about this and that, I just lean over to him, and I just said, um, Lord, I just pray that you help me not to be distracted and I said these specific words, Jalen and I would have incredible focus that would produce amazing strength. Um, and so, amen, I kind of stepped back. And then he stepped over to me and he said, right before you prayed for me, I prayed and asked God, would you give me focus and strength? And I just want to say, that's the normal Christian life. You understand, conversations become confirmations that we're all hearing the voice of God. So the first 40 days of the year, every year becomes kind of a tithe emphasis, 10% of the year where we devote ourselves to morning prayer, turn the page, really the patterns that activate and awaken those gifts within us. And I want to encourage you to begin to really ask the Lord for your New Year's revelation, what that's supposed to be for you for 2020. Those of you who serve uh, the first Wednesday in December, coming very soon, is that just a week from Sunday, two weeks from Sunday, whatever that is, first, week, first Wednesday in December, we'll have our servant leader banquet, and we're going to unveil a lot of what God's revealing for us as a church family for 2020, but it shouldn't be new news. You know, the New Testament church should function in a spirit of unity because we're sensing what God is saying all together. So I just want to challenge you to take some time before the Lord, and I just felt like even... Um, today. Here we are. <clears throat> We've all shown up. You're waiting for me to get up here and say whatever it is I'm going to say. Um, but I want to just say, why don't we pause for a moment and listen? Why don't you pause for a moment and listen? There's a greater voice in the room, and it's the voice of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, if you have your note card, you might just get your pen ready, because God might be wanting to reveal something to you, release something to you. And you need to write those things down. Go back and be able to rehearse those. And so let's just pause before we do anything else and just position our hearts before the Lord our God that we might be hearers of the word so that we can become doers of the word.
Holy Spirit, we want to defer to your presence in this room. Help us not to neglect anything you are desiring to do in these moments that we have together. May we be truly attuned to what you are wanting to say in each of our lives. I thank you for your anointing. And Lord, without your anointing, none of this matters. Thank you for your anointing on our gathering that you tell us not to forsake the assembly because there's something powerful as we begin to gather in your midst and you promise to be here. I thank you for the anointing that rests upon our song and our worship. I thank you for the anointing that rests upon your word. And I pray, Father, you would deepen us today with a greater understanding of what you're desiring to do in this next season of the church and in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Let me believe there might be some disassembling in your heart and in your mind and in your emotions that God's wanting to do in this next season of your life. So many times we're asking God to build, but he has to many times dismantle before he builds. Um, and I know that <clears throat> much of that is what God is going to help us walk through as a family together. So we've been focusing in on the power of being thankful. And with Thanksgiving this week, you had your assignment last week just to pray about how to really make this an enriched time. Some have already had some of those gatherings more this week. But I hope you're taking that seriously and uh, really praying about this week and what that's to look like. How many have a little extra time off this week? Can I see? Your schedule changed, work schedule changed a little bit. So um, I invite you to press in a little deeper in your personal place with the Lord. It's nice to have a morning to sleep in. How much is it a... A savory expression to the Lord to sacrifice a morning that you had the opportunity to sleep in because you wanted to get up and just press in and pray and sp spend some time with him. So thinking about some of those, uh, I, I know some people are thinking, you know, you just shipwrecked my, my morning off. Uh, you know, just praying and asking the Lord what he wants to do with that time. Isn't that a novel thought to live our lives in a way that he's actually in control of everything we're doing? So um, I encourage you in that. Today we're shifting into a new season uh, where we begin to focus in on what it is to be, to worship Jesus, the King of Kings. Everybody say with me, King of Kings. Uh, and that's a really important revelation for us to understand. We're going to dive right into it today. I want to encourage you, um, this week it is a holiday week, but we are still going to be uh, pressing in for tonight. We'll have our uh, institute class at 5.30 Tuesday morning. We will have morning prayer at 6 a.m. Might be a good week for you to come and just join in with us and press in a little deeper in what God uh, desires to do. So this famous Christmas verse uh, gets all the press in the wrong direction, in my opinion. It's, it's not that any part of it is wrong. It's just that Scripture requires context in order to be complete. Would you agree? Isaiah 9 6 to 7, it's a beautiful portion of Scripture. Unto us a child is born, unto us a, a son is given. I'm so thankful Jesus came. Uh, what an understatement. 
Aren't you thankful Jesus came? <laughs> Transformed everything about the world. And so many times we take this particular portion of Scripture and we'll quote that part of the verse. But look at what it goes on to say, and this is what is so significant because this is where we find ourselves in the story of God. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Now in your handout, I have those blanks because I want to focus in on those words. The government will be on his shoulders. On the shoulders of Jesus exists the government of God. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government, there's that word again, and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The government of God rests upon the shoulders of Jesus. And the thing that I want us to try to understand is that the shoulders of Jesus actually are the body, not the head. The shoulders are the body. The government of God rests on the body. You and I are the body of Christ. Would you agree? We are the body of Christ. Therefore, what we understand is that Jesus came to release the government of God in the body of Christ as an expression of God's kingdom and an expansion of his realm in the earth everywhere that you and I go. This is our part in the story. Jesus is the king of kings. What does that make us? We are kings. And you know, so many times we're so focused on everything that Jesus is, and my goodness, he is everything. But because he is, we are. And many times we discount ourselves and disqualify ourselves when he's trying to get us to understand who we truly are. And if you don't understand who you truly are, you start finding your identity in all kinds of distractions that hijack the energy of your life and the focus of who you are. The government of God rests upon the body of Christ. And that's why I want us to understand today as we talk about the first week in this season of time together that we are gifted kings. And again, it's amazing to me just as I was, you know, have a sense of, of what to pray for, and I lean over. At the very moment I have a sense of what to pray for, Jalen hears the exact same word. I pray the prayer of the words that were in his mind. By the way, another part of that prayer was because Jalen's standing right next to me today and in, in, in agreement with, with me uh, more so than, you know, it's just the role of standing there and praying. But I just said, one of the things I prayed was, and Jalen's here to confirm this, not making this stuff up. It's just, you know, the Lord is doing something unique. But I said, Lord, let Jalen think the thoughts that I speak with my mouth before I even speak them with my mouth, which was exactly what happened when I prayed and said what he had just prayed. And so I just want all of us to know we all are gifted kings. That doesn't happen because I'm a pastor. That happens because I'm a Christian. You know, I, I say often, and, and, and you don't understand it. I, I know it, it's, it's somewhat perplexing uh, for a couple of reasons, but you know, I, I didn't go to 
to, to learn how to be a, a pastor. I, and that wasn't in the scope of my life. I didn't, I didn't set my sights on, I'm going to become a pastor. And so I went down the track of preparation for ministry like I would most likely send somebody if they were going down the track of ministry. And I didn't do that. And so I say often, you know, that I'm not a professional pastor. And nobody's ever taught me how to preach, by the way. I've never had anybody say, this is how you write a sermon. This is how you preach a message. Um, you know, I just, I'm just passionate and I'm just up here just rah, you know, for Jesus. So that, that's kind of the story of my life, raw for Jesus. And, um, and what comes with that is a raw passion and a real person, right, that, that we understand is a big part of who we are as a church family. But you just have to understand some of the deficiency that comes from that, particularly early on, was a lack of theology and a lack of base of Scripture. And um, we all have our deficiencies, and, and we need to understand and recognize that none of us are a cure-all. We need each other in this process. And uh, over the course of time, I've learned kind of how God's putting those pieces together to help complement those deficiencies that exist within me. And here we are, a church, that God wants to do some amazing things in this next season. And I just want to say you are a critical part uh, to what God's desiring to do. You are a critical part to what God wants to do. Some of you are carrying something you don't even realize that you're carrying that is essential to activating God's kingdom in the hearts and lives of people around us in the course of this next year. Do you understand we celebrate wonderful stories? Uh, I see Michael over here and, and uh, celebrating sobriety and stepping into places of leadership. And, and we're actually going to celebrate your story uh, at the Servant Leader Banquet and talk just a little bit about he, and the things that he's recently shared and, and how he was coming off of... Uh, a uh, several day high of heavy drugs and, and a friend of his invited him, hey, why don't you come to morning prayer? <laughs> his, first, his first encounter was at 6 a.m. on a Tuesday here. And, um, and it just changed his life and he's found a family and here he is walking in great strength and encouragement in life. And, and, I, and I just want to say hats off to you and to your lovely wife who's paying such a price for you to be able to do what you're doing this year in our internship. And thank God the kingdom is expanding. What a wonderful story that is. But how many of you are in relationship with somebody who's caught up in some crazy addiction and you can't see that they're to become something more than what they are right now? And, and crazy addictions aren't just drugs. Crazy addictions come in many forms. People, people who aren't uh, activated and awakened in the purposes of God are entangled in some form of distraction. And they might feel totally justified in it. But how many of you know when Jesus gets in the mix, he helps us see with greater clarity so that we begin to walk with greater confidence and know who we truly are in him. And I believe that you're carrying something to help the Michaels of this world come to know who Jesus is so that we're celebrating their story a year from now, two years from now. And we need to be aware of that and not just play the church game and do the thing that makes us feel like we've checked the box this week and spent our time in the Lord, but we're showing up with an anticipation that we really expect to hear the Lord, really expect to sense what God's desiring to do. You and I are, are gifted kings, priests, and prophets to the world around us. Do you understand that? The government of God rests upon us. The enemy trembles at the thought of us figuring out who we truly are. He loses ground, loses his grip on people around us. The more we know who we are, we are the expression of God's government in the earth. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is a beautiful verse of Scripture. And you probably have memorized it somewhere in the journey if you've been involved in any discipleship structures and so on. 
And it says, uh, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. A new person. Some translations say a new creation. A new creation, a new person. What you need to understand is that when I'm celebrating an individual or I'm looking across the room and I, you know, recently Aaron uh, Bud, when we met with our guys and we talked about our focal point this next year in helping men step into a place of breaking free from bondages of sexual addiction and, and men, not only men, but women as well. And we're cultivating all of that. And we'll talk more about that in days ahead. But I just look over and realize as I see stories and testimonies of faithfulness, people that are stepping up and becoming more of who God's called them to become. We're not who we used to be. I know we're not who we're going to be, but we're not who we used to be. We're a new person, a new creation. There's something different about our lives. How many of you agree? We need to learn to cooperate with that new nature so that we're becoming more of everything God desires us to be. And that, that word new person or new creation literally translates not there before. When you look at that Greek expression, it, it literally means not there before. You became an expression of God to your world that did not exist before you came to Christ. In fact, it goes so far in indication of meaning to express the idea of a new species of being has been activated in the planet. In other words, you became spiritually alive. You know, we talked about what it is to be supernatural, and, and we understand what it is to, to, you know, look at superheroes, but we're not superheroes, we're supernaturals, and there are a lot of, a lot of things that we can really, parallels we can draw in an understanding of, of a Clark Kent that comes kind of from another planet and lands in this planet with abilities that he doesn't even know exist, and he just kind of slowly bumps into those abilities and learns those things, and he realizes, you know what, I'm actually here to be a superhero to the world around me. And I just want to say to you, you're bumping into the gifts that God has placed within you and learning that you actually now have been activated spiritually to be a supernatural and change and transform the world around you. You are kings and priests and prophets. Hear more than just a convincing little dissertation today that the substance of what the Holy Spirit is wanting to reveal within you actually awakens something that takes you to a place of greater strength, an embrace of deeper grace, and a greater walk in your relationship with Christ. Understanding your words have weight. There is fire in your eyes, weight in your words. Something God has activated in you actually has the capacity to transform the world around you. The government of God rests upon you. It's powerful. What I'm talking about is utterly life-transforming, world-transforming. 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you, mo you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Tracy and I have this conversation often. The world is not going to be transformed. Lost people are not going to be saved as a result of more polished church services. That's not what is going to reach the people that you work with. You walking in the anointing of God on your life, that's what's going to reach the people that you work with. They don't need more polished 
church services. They need the power of God functioning in you. They need you leaning over to them, saying something right after they thought it in their mind. You speak it out of your mouth. This is normal Christian living for us. And we find ourselves so distracted by so many things and and identifying in so many directions that I believe God wants to activate us in a different capacity as we particularly step into this preparatory season for what's to come in the year 2020. You are a different person than you used to be. Can I get an amen in this place? Now, you don't look any different. You're physically the same because your body's just your house. Do you understand what I'm saying? Somebody comes to know Christ and they don't physically change because their body's just the house. It's their spirit. It's their inner man that comes alive. And all of a sudden, something profound begins to happen. Now, think about this with me. It's your next blank. Jesus was normal among normal people. Let's try and figure out what our role is. Jesus was normal among normal people, yet supernatural in such a way that people felt they were in the presence of a prince when they were around him. People began to hunger and thirst for what they sensed existed within him. How many of you understand God wants you to walk in that same kind of power, anointing, and authority? Do you realize as many as claim to live in Jesus, so should they continue to walk in him? 1 John 2, 6, we should walk in him. We should demonstrate that which Jesus demonstrated because we are the expression of Christ in the earth. The government of God rests upon the body of Christ. So understand that you're not clothed in a robe, but you're clothed in Christ. There's something powerful about the way God has has, uh, revealed that in you to be normal among normalcy, but empowered and supernatural at the same time. This is is how Jesus interacted with the world. This is how you and I are to to interact with the world. There are people who feel they have to drive a certain car, dress a certain way, live in a certain house in order to derive their significance. And we understand that game, don't we? We recognize and understand that that thought, that thought pattern. That How many of you have been back to a um, high school reunion before? And when you went back to see everybody, you definitely want to put your best foot forward. You want your friends to feel like you've accomplished something, right? This is normal. This is not problematic for you to feel that way. But feelings should not be in control of your life. There's something more to you than that. There's something more substantial about your identity. And if you're finding your identity in how you dress, what you wear, what you drive, where you live, or how you look, then you simply don't know who you are. There's more to you than that. I want to call to something that is more significant that exists within you than that. You're more than just surface, and and understanding that starts to position us to embrace these types of scriptures from an entirely different point of view. Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests who serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. They will reign on the earth. What does that look like in your life? What does that look like in your everyday life? Jesus was the king of kings. And amazingly, he moved among humanity like just a common man. Do you understand the call of God that exists on our lives? There's something so profound that exists within us, yet something so practical in terms of our identification with the people 
around us. And when our focus is right, think about it, we carry the master's touch to a broken world, bringing redemption into the lives of people that he entrusts to our care. I mean, that's such a big statement. I want to say the statement again. I want you to absorb it, would you? When our thinking is right, when our focus is right, we carry the master's touch to a broken world, bringing redemption and restoration into the lives of people God has entrusted to our care. Have you ever seen um, that movie, Coming to America?, Eddie Murphy, raise your hand if you've seen Coming to America. Wow, that's amazing. That's a lot of people. So uh, Eddie Murphy, he's the, the son of a king in another country. The, the movie sets up like this. He's tired of always being treated like royalty, and he wants to experience a normal life. We've seen this uh, plot in a variety of, of shows and movies, right? And so he comes, and, uh, and here he is, a prince of the king. And to experience normal life, he gets a job at a fast food restaurant. And while he's at this fast food restaurant, everything he's doing, he's doing with this pleasant disposition, this positive attitude, this like conquering king mindset exists within this fast food worker that most fast food workers can't reconcile. Like, why is he always up? Why is it every problem we encounter, he seems to have a solution? Why is it that there's a different level that he seems to be on? You, you track me where I am with this. And so this girl in the, in the movie, she says one of the, one of the scenes, she comes up to him and she goes, there's just something different about you. There's something, I don't know, it's just so regal. It's a really significant line in the movie. Because the reality is, you and I are in common clothing, yet we are princes, priests, kings. We are sons and daughters of God. And there is a, something different. I don't know, there's just something different about you. It's just not what it used to be. Something inside your life seems to have transacted in such a way that the king's perspective has suddenly become activated in your life. No mountain that comes your way seems to be able to take control of your attitude because you are a giant killer, mountain mover, son and daughter of There's something about you that stays positive, even in a negative way. World. There's something about you that more than conquers. Come on, why don't you clap it in, everyone in this room? There's something different about you. You don't walk around defeated by every enemy that comes your way because there's something of the king that exists in the heart of his sons and daughters in the earth. I don't know, they're just, the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, Exodus chapter 1. Let the weak say, I am strong, yet I am weak, but I say, I am strong. Why? Because I carry the king's disposition and the situation and circumstance will not take control of my life because the power of God Almighty has the power to shape something bigger than what the world may be trying to hand me. I'll not be confined by the circumstances of this world because I'm born from the spirit realm out of eternity. I'm an entirely different species that exists in the earth. Come on. When you see, the, uh, you know, the, it's, it's kind of funny, Prince Harry, 
from, from England. You know, he's a bit of a live wire. Have you watched him in the news much? And, and uh, watching those guys and, and you know, just kind of seeing how they handle themselves on the news. And, and really, the reality is you, you kind of know what to expect. They're not perfect, obviously, nor are we. But, but you kind of know what to expect. You know, they kind of they come out of the royal family, and they're out in society. And there's an understanding that they're going to carry a sense of compassion. They're going to carry a sense of dignity. They're going to carry a sense of concern for the world around them. Why? Because so much has been entrusted to their care. And we would expect that from somebody who actually lives in the presence of the king. We would expect them to have a sense of, I've been entrusted so much, I have an obligation and a responsibility to society around me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like nobody has to talk to the princess and say, now here are the 10 steps to going out and representing us well. You got to have this attitude. Make sure you keep this attitude. These are the steps. Make sure. No, they've just grown up in the culture of the kingdom in such a way. It just is the disposition they carry to the world around them. You too. He's the king of kings. That's who we are. We need to understand and recognize that. Do you know who you are? Do you think like the person God made you to be. How many of you think there's a difference between God's perspective and your perspective? Can I just see? How many of you are ready to narrow that gap a little bit by the Spirit of God and become more of who He's called you to be? I'm ready for that. Personally, I'm ready for that. I want more of that. I want more confirming words when I have a conversation with somebody. I want words of knowledge about situations that are well beyond my control. I want to go into uh, political forums and declare the word of the Lord like Joseph did. How about you? I want to experience more of what God desires for us to experience. But we've got to be willing to carry a king's perspective. And a king's perspective is different from a normal person's perspective. Kings don't think like normal people do, right? Kings don't think like common people do. There's this king in Saudi Arabia, and he was a golf enthusiast. And I heard this whole story, elaborate story, about how he, he watched all the, the golf pros and reached out to one particular pro that he liked to watch. And he invited this golf pro to come to Saudi Arabia into the Middle East where he would, uh, he would play golf with this king for the course of a week. And, and the, the golf pro was honored to accept the invitation before he knew it the dates were set and a private jet showed up to pick up how many of you know a common person and a king like you want to come play golf he wasn't necessarily thinking a private jet was going to show up and pick him up and exquisite dining all the way on the flight he gets over there and he's treated like royalty he's given the best of space uh, to, to be treated with subjects people that were serving him the entire time he was there he goes and enjoys an amazing week playing golf with this king and being around this king and as he's about to leave the king catches him uh, and, and sees him off there to get back on the jet and the king says this to him well, how would you respond he says I, I am so thankful that you came and I want to give you a gift name the gift you would like to receive how many of you would be okay if a king asked you that particular question? And so the, the, the golf pro, honestly, he just was kind of taken back by it. And he, he said, well, honestly, you don't have to do that. Like private jet, fly me over, you know, taking care of me like I'm royalty myself the whole week. I mean, I've had an amazing time. That's quite enough. And the king says, no, I insist I must buy you a gift. Do not deprive me of this one request that I would buy you a gift. And so the golf pro said, well, I, I'm a golf pro, maybe you could buy me a golf club. And the king says, done. 
gets on the plane, he flies home. He's, getting on, he's on that plane, and he starts thinking to himself, I just asked a king for a golf club. Like, what does a king think? Like, is this going to be a diamond-plated, you know, like diamonds on a putter? Will it be a driver made out of pure gold? Uh, you know, what, what, will, what would that be? And, and he starts thinking, what is this going to look like? And in fact, here are a set of gold golf clubs that maybe it could be indicative of this. I, I, this is legitimate, by the way. I, I looked it up online. $75,000 set of golf clubs. Ladies and gentlemen, can I just say, pastor appreciation does not yet have to be over in this church. <laughs> so you can take that picture down. Golf club. What is that golf club going to be? That golf club. And so he's thinking in his mind. And, and time goes by, and he's waiting to hear, you know, what kind of golf club is he going to get? And, and a lot of time passed, and he thought, well, maybe he's forgotten. You know, I'm not going to say anything. And, and then about, I don't know, um, you know, however much time had passed, and he suddenly finds something, a certified letter in his mailbox. And he opens the certified letter. Would you put the golf clubs back up again? He opens the certified letter, and he realizes, oh, this is from the king, and maybe this is the golf club uh, that, he, that he had in mind. So the golf clubs are the gold. There we are. There they are. And he's thinking this in his mind. And he opens the certified letter, and he sees a deed to a golf club, 36-hole golf club with swimming pools, golf club. You know what I want to say? Kings don't think like common people think. What is God saying to you in this next season of your life? Kings don't think like common people think. Kings don't process their circumstances like common people process their circumstances. There are some people in here today that have been processing their circumstances. The best you could possibly think of was a gold plate putter, but there's a 36-hole golf club that the king is actually thinking. I don't know how that parallel works with whatever it is you're walking through, but I want you to know, kings don't think like common people think. Kings have a different perspective. Come on, kings have a different strength. Why don't we stand to give the king of kings and the Lord of lords a hand clap of praise in a declaration today that says, Lord, you are enlarging our perspective. Thank you, Lord. You are taking us into a greater posture of pressing in and knowing our God, of thinking the way God thinks. We have the mind of Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us a heart of flesh, not stone, that we are discerning people, that we hear the voice of God, that we sense the very presence of God. We carry the presence of God. Our conversations with people around us who don't know you, our conversations between kings and commoners, that God wants to cause the commoners to come to know Christ so they can become kings as well. Help us to carry, Lord, what other people will thirst for and have an appetite for as they long for what they sense and see. It's an entirely different disposition that exists within an entirely different species that never existed in the earth before Jesus came to activate from heaven in the hearts of people something beyond our wildest comprehension. 
Forgive us, Lord, for our minimal perspectives that have driven us into dark places, cracks and crevices of life where addictions have become distractions producing destruction from who you've called us to be. We just surrender all of that to you now. We want to hear the voice of God. We want to walk in the presence of God. We want to know the anointing of God. We want to activate a perspective, Lord, through studying and, and getting into your word, getting in a posture, in a place of prayer where we're listening and hearing what you have to say. Beyond just our ability to plan and prepare and think, help us, God, to be discerning and recognize the value of what you are desiring to reveal. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, let's make a declaration of the Lordship of Christ, this King who activates us as kings. Would you say this with me out loud? This is a declaration that Jesus is Lord. He's the Savior of the world. We need him as our Savior and our Lord in our own lives. Would you say it out loud? Lord Jesus, you're the giver of life. You came to transform this world one heart at a time. Here's my heart. Here's my mind. Here I am, surrendered to you. Rescue me. Deliver me. Strengthen me. Empower me to carry the government of God to the world in which I live. In Jesus' mighty name.